Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good afternoon and welcome. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Let's Talk Money here on 810 and 1031 WGY. I'm Ryan Boucher and I'll be your host today on a, uh, unfortunately, a, a really rainy, nasty day, especially following such a nice week that we had uh, this week. It's too bad that that Saturday we had the rain, but you know, it's a good excuse to sit in and, and listen to the show or uh, do whatever you need to do that uh, maybe you were pushing off because it has been so nice. So if you're a longtime listener or new to the program, I am a certified financial planner and a CPA with uh, Boucher Financial Group. And it's a pleasure to be here with you today. We have a busy show, a lot to get into, a lot to discuss. Um, but before I get into uh, the topics that I want to talk about, why don't I uh, give out the call in line for the listeners uh, that may have questions about their investments, financial planning. Uh, give us a call. You know, if you have a question, mo- more times than not, someone else probably has a similar question. So shoot me a call. We're at 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 1-800-825-5949. And so today, so I got a lot to get into. We'll talk about, you know, obviously the stock market. A, we had a uh, pretty bad week in the the stock market. You know, fortunately, we had a little bit of a bounce back yesterday on Friday, but all in all, it was a bad week across uh, really all markets. Uh, the U.S. economy, what are we looking at? Uh, how does these uh, trade wars and the tariffs that the president's been talking about with China, um, potential tariffs with the EU, how is that going to potentially affect the economy and, and what are we looking at? Uh, talk a little bit about the bond market. Uh, you know, rates. Even given last week's decision by the Fed to uh, to raise rates, we we sort of haven't seen uh, some rates uh, go up all that much in the last two weeks. So, talk about bonds and and the role they play in your portfolio. And uh, a few things in the news this week that I want to touch upon. We, uh, you know, GE again was in the news this week, and again, you know, not for the right reasons. And and we'll talk about what's going on with GE. Um, you know, some uh, some interesting articles this week, uh, today and yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, uh, talking about baby boomers and this huge influx of retirees. And uh, we'll talk about, you know, different things that we're looking at there and in some of the numbers. And, uh, you know, is is that generation of, of baby boomers, um, you know, are they ready for retirement? And, uh, you know, a big element of what we do at our firm is, uh, you know, really with with investments and investment management, but just as important and something that we work with on a daily basis with our clients is financial planning and, and getting them ready for retirement. Uh, retirement. And when, uh, you know, you look at some of these studies and you look at the numbers, it's a little eye-opening to see how many people aren't ready for retirement. And, uh, you know, especially uh, folks who are nearing or in retirement ages and, and maybe don't have the uh, the necessary assets to re- retire comfortably. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, talk a little bit about um, Barron's had a huge feature on uh, what they call ESG investing. So, environmentally uh, sustainability and governance it's uh 
you know, it's it's a different way to look at investments, and it cuts out some some companies that maybe you don't align with uh, with their values. And it's come up a lot with the gun control uh, discussions we've had this year. And uh, you know, it's a segment of the investment market that's really picking up steam. And, and we can talk a little bit about that. And uh, you know, just you know, different things that that have been in the news. Uh, you know, like I said, give us a call one eight hundred talk WGY one eight hundred eight two five five nine four nine. I'm going to go to the phone lines. We have Robert in Amsterdam. Robert, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. You know, a question you hit on, uh, I'm in that group, baby boomers, um, and, you know, not being prepared. But I can know if I'm prepared or not. How do you figure out how much you need? I'm not going to have a pension, so my retirement is going to be Social Security and whatever I have saved in between my 401K and IRAs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and you know, there's no set formula. A lot of you know, we get we get a lot of clients that come in and, and they talk about, you know, I need I need eighty five percent, or I need eighty percent of what my salary was uh, heading into retirement. That's what I need to retire on, and you know, that's a number that's just sort of been put out in print, and you know, I think it factors in, you know, maybe a little bit less of. Um, you know, it takes away what you've been putting into your retirement accounts and it takes a little bit out for, I don't know, maybe travel to and from work. So it's not really based on anything. And it's really, you know, it's it comes down to individuals specific needs. There's no, like I said, there's no set formula to look at it. The biggest thing, especially for our clients that are are sort of nearing retirement, you know, maybe within, um, you know, four or five years of, of retirement, the biggest thing I ask for them to do is to come up with really detailed budgets. And doing that, like I said, you, it's, I think it's, I think it's a misconception to just say, hey, I need, I need, um, you know, X percent of, of what I'm making because, you know, when you break it down, you know, maybe you need more, maybe you need less. And, and what I try to do is, hey, let's come up with a really set budget and breaking it down between, you know, fixed costs that you know that are not going to go away, maybe some discretionary costs. And then maybe we look at it and say, you know, those first what maybe five, 10 years of retirement, you really want to enjoy those years to the best of your ability because, you know, as, as you get older, maybe you're not going to be able to travel as much or do different things that you want to do. You know, you've been, you've been working hard for so many years and have done so much to get ready for this moment. You know, it's, I think it's important to enjoy those years. And so we try to find, you know, within their budget, and then, you know, between Social Security, if they do have a pension, their retirement assets, let's come up with a with a formula and look at, all right, how how much can you reasonably spend? Um, you know, we don't want to withdraw too much from from the retirement accounts, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking distributions to, to supplement cash flow. But, you know, we have to do it in a in a disciplined manner. And then we build in different scenarios to see, you know, if, uh, you know, the markets aren't as good as we're, we're expecting or if spending, you know, maybe there's some unexpected um, spending that, that we weren't accounting for. We try to build different scenarios to really test the limits of that plan. But, um, you know, there's there's no set way to sort of come up with it. But my my biggest recommendation is start tracking your spending. And in a lot of, you know, the credit card companies do actually a pretty good job on a monthly basis and even on a yearly basis, sort of breaking down your spending if you're using credit cards. Um, you know, just I, I just keep even personally just an Excel spreadsheet that I, uh, you know, track different spending buckets and and I make sure that, uh, you know, I, I track it really closely so I know exactly what, what we're doing. And that's 
the best way to sort of prepare for that next step? And then, you know, looking at uh, the different income flows and assets that you have, then you can sort of take it to the next level. But, you know, just understanding what your spending needs are is really critical. All right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You, you, know, you have to know what you're going to be actually spending. I was looking also, you know, the one figure I always hear about taking money out of your retirement accounts to preserve them is no more than 4% a year. Is that a realistic amount, or is or is that too high, too low? No, that that's real. I think that's pretty realistic. I mean, we we sort of look at it from a uh, we try to keep it within a four to five percent range. So it's definitely a realistic number. Um, and like I said, it that can vary, and and maybe uh, you know there's different spending needs up front or later on, and and maybe maybe you take a little bit more up front to sort of bridge the gap until you know maybe a pension or to spend a little bit more in healthcare costs until Medicare kicks in or until Social Security. So there's different reasons why why that can vary and, and sort of seeing the scenarios play out is is important to do. But it's it's a good general rule of thumb. I mean, in terms of just looking at what your um, retirement assets are and sort of looking at that and, and thinking, you know, maybe about 5% I can uh, supplement with any other outside income to uh to find you know to to help me through retirement that's that's really you know that's a good sort of um uh, benchmark to sort of use in, in bellwether to just take a look at and and use that as a uh you know a, from a thirty thousand foot sort of view that all right i can take that from the retirement accounts is is the goal of that percentage to preserve the the principle, so it's oh, you always have that, you know, depending upon how long you live. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes into a number of, of factors. You know, the uh, it, there's always a risk too of you know early on in retirement, maybe there's market volatility and and maybe there's a prolonged um, bear market, and so um, when you as you get through that, if if you had sort of a three to four year time frame of of bad market returns, even if you're um, accounting for a, a long term, um, you know, whether it's four or five, six percent returns over the long term, you know, you might have different time periods. And an upfront in the early part of retirement is really um, probably the toughest um, part that if you had to pro- go through prolonged uh, bear market to have a really negative impact on the plan. And so, that number sort of withstands that and, and gives you time to recover. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of uh, keeping the the preservation of assets, you know, it, you you always want to preserve assets, right? You don't you don't want to see that number dwindle. But you know, different people have different uh, goals with with their money and and what their legacies are going to be. You know, whether it's uh, you know giving them to um, beneficiaries, whether um, having um, not-for-profits that they want to give it to. Or in, in some cases, you know, uh, we have a lot of clients that say, you know, I've taken care of our kids, uh, you know, paid for college, done a lot for them. You know, th- I want this money to be used for us. And we want to make sure, um, you know, not being risky with it in terms of spending too much, but their their goal isn't to have a full preservation of assets. They want to enjoy their retirement years and make sure that that they're spending it in and spending it in a prudent manner, but to, uh, you know, their goal isn't to have a, uh, you know, anything left to, to give to their beneficiary. So, um, you know, it, it, it varies from, uh, you know, individual to individual, but, you know, obviously some sort of preservation is the goal. All right. Well, thank you very much. It was, uh, um, I love this show between you and your dad. I mean, it's, it's the best money show I think on the radio. Oh, well, we appreciate it. Thank you for that.
Have a good afternoon. All right, you too. Thanks for the call. And it's it's a great question. And and like I said, I mean, if if you uh, get the Wall Street Journal or you've seen it the the past two days, um, it's it's been a huge feature. And and there's so many elements to baby boomers in this retirement phase right now in terms of um, entitlement programs. When you look at Social Security and Medicare, and I got some stats that I'll get into uh, you know shortly with with Social Security and where we stand today, and and some of the numbers are scary. And when you look at the demographics in our country right now, it's only going to get worse as as we're um, you know the the ratio of uh, with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Retirees to, to workers is getting, um, you know, larger and larger, more sway to uh, retirees than we've ever seen before. And like I said, that's not going to improve as, as baby boomers retire. So we're going to continue to see that go up and it's going to strain a lot of those entitlement programs. And when you look in and you look at the, uh, you know, the, uh, the readiness of, of some of these retirees, a lot of them, a lot of folks are not ready to retire from a uh, investable asset standpoint to sort of maintain the lifestyle that they've had. So, there's a lot of, um, you know, is there a crisis on the on the way? You know, it depends probably how you look at it, but there's certainly things to uh, be concerned about as as the baby boomer generation gets closer to to retirement. So, I will uh, give out the phone lines again. You can reach us one eight hundred talk wgy. That's one eight hundred eight two five five nine four nine. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. You're listening to Let's Talk Money on eight ten in one zero three one wgy. Welcome back to Let's Talk Money here on 810 and 1031 WGY. I'm Ryan Boucher and I'm your host today and uh, appreciate you tuning in and, and listening to the program. Our phone lines are open, so give us a call if you have any questions with regard to your investments or retirement planning. Like I said, we were talking a little bit about um, retirement planning and financial planning and you know especially with the uh, the Wall Street Journal feature on uh, you know the the title of a generation of Americans is entering old age the least prepared in decades and uh, you know it's it's uh, sort of a dire warning out there for for individuals as as they near retirement to uh, you know make sure that you have a uh, firm grasp of of what you need to do to, to ready yourself and and to make sure that those retirement years are those great years and you can enjoy the time that you know you've worked so hard to uh, to get to and uh, you know as you look at it and you look at some of the numbers it's uh, you know we are getting to a point where there is a big influx of retirees and uh, you know that readiness in in the financial planning and in talking to Robert earlier I mean I, I can't stress enough just how important it is to, you know, if nothing else, just understanding your spending because, you know, at the end of the day, we work with a lot of individuals and we work with a lot of um, different income earners. And, you know, from a from a retirement readiness perspective, it really has nothing to do with 
how much you earn. It, I mean, it certainly plays into the equation, but um, you know, we have very high income earners that that aren't as ready for retirement versus some lower earners. But it all comes down to how good you are at saving and understanding your spending habits is really, really so critical to uh, getting ready for retirement. And, uh, you know, if nothing else, that's a that's a great starting point to, uh, you know, start thinking about retirement, thinking about your spending habits and, you know, just sometimes just writing it down and, and seeing it. Um, makes it so much clearer in, in, you know, whether you find places to trim some of your spending or you just understand where um, your different spending buckets are going to and and breaking it down into different buckets is is really critical as well. So I'm going to go back to the phone lines. We have Alan on the line. Alan, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Great, thanks. Uh, I have I have a, a question uh, in regards to uh, a retirement. I have been retired for about four years. Um, I'm with Merrill Lynch right now, and I've broken up between assets and bonds. Um, and um, uh, good uh, investment companies with dividends, etc. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm concerned in this volatile market um, that. Um, uh, I, you know, how how will this play short term? I, you know, uh, certainly hoping we would not see another 2007-8. But if we do, uh, you know, I am right now diversified into like anywhere from uh, 55 to 60 percent assets and maybe uh, 40 uh, bonds with 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 good companies. Um, and but I am totally dependent on the market, um, other than, uh, social security. So, um, I just wanted to know whether, uh, I have people saying, uh, you should take your IRA, which, um, uh, have a fair amount in an IRA that's not in a, tr- uh, um, the trust with the rest of the portfolio. Mm-hmm. And, um, a friend that isn't in insurance is trying to, um, Head me towards uh, a, a guaranteed uh, for life income by trading in my uh, uh, that particular IRA, and um, uh, but it is an IRA, it is a uh, in guaranteed income to life annuity. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to see as a hedge and a balance. Uh, do you agree with that? Um, and if not, do you think I am? I am fine with a 60 uh, to uh, 55 assets, uh, the balance bond cash, or do you think at 73 that may be too aggressive? It's it's a lot of great questions, a lot of good points there. So a few different things. In terms of your overall allocation, I mean, we have clients that are your age that are in our 80-20 growth strategy, and we have clients that are more conservative than than you are. I think, you know, if you're somewhere in that 60-40 range, we're very comfortable with that, and, and it's probably one of our most popular strategies for retirees. So I don't, you know, from a high level, not knowing the details of your investments, but if you're saying that you're, you know, you're approximately 60% in, in equities and stocks and 40% in bonds, you know, from a, from a high level view, very reasonable in, in, in my perspective. And, 
Um, like I said, we probably the majority of our, our retired clients are sort of in that strategy for us. Um, when it comes to annuities, so, you know, full disclosure from us, we don't sell annuities. Um, we do work with clients that may have brought them in from previous uh, um, advisors or, or something that they've had. Um, a few things, a few reasons why I typically and why we don't sell them and, and we, we don't usually really like them. Um, the, the fees on them are so high, um, tip, you know, for the most part, you know, now the, some of the fees and some of the products aren't as, uh, uh, pricey, but you know, for the most part, annuity fees are, are fairly high. The lockup period without getting penalized for withdrawals is about seven years, typically five to seven years. And there's just something about not having liquidity to your own assets, um, without being penalized that. They sit well with with myself and and our firm and and our philosophy on on investing. So that's another reason why why I don't like them. And the third thing is, and you brought it up, you know, you you called it a guaranteed for life annuity. Um, if we've learned anything, especially from the uh, financial crisis of 07, is that there's really no guarantees. And if you're in a, a well diversified portfolio, and we we saw our you know the economy or or the financial institutions get to a point where um, the diversified portfolio isn't a viable option going forward any longer. Because, I mean, if you looked at, historically speaking, a diversified portfolio is your best way to, um, you know, have a, have a um, you know, less volatile, steady rise of, uh, you know, wealth over, over the long term. And, and you can look back over the last, you know, 100 plus years to see that. Um, but if we were to see another situation like the Great Recession and, like I said, financial institutions were, were going down, if if you have a, an annuity from a, a organization that goes out of business or goes bankrupt, you know, that, that annuity isn't guaranteed any longer. And so, you know, there's something about that guarantee that, as we say, in, in many instances, there's no such thing as a guarantee. So um, that's something that, that I'd be a little cautious on, too. I mean, listen, sometimes they, the annuity does fit into someone's overall uh, retirement plan. And like I said, if they come with one that maybe doesn't have significant fees and, and is given off a good income stream, you know, we can, we can stay comfortable with it, but you know, what you really have to do at the end of the day is understand exactly how it works and exactly what you're getting into. Because like I said, if you looked historically at how well, a uh, you know, 60, 40 blended portfolio has done over the years, even through, um, terrible economic times, it still has done pretty well. And I think what's really important is for those short-term needs, like for any of our clients that are retired taking distributions, we take two years worth of those distributions and put them in a very conservative holding right now, yielding about, you know, it's a short duration, um, intermediate to, to short-term bond fund yielding, you know, close to two and a half percent. But um, we know if, if we experience a drastic uh, correction or, or, Bear, quick bear market that, you know, we're going to sell into something that, you know, isn't going to be down 15, 20% like the market is. And that's where you hurt yourself in, in retirement. If you're selling out of positions that are, are depreciated 20, 30% and rather than letting them recover, you know, that really hurts your overall retirement uh, picture. And so we, we put those distributions in something uh, more short term in nature. And, and we look at that as sort of a separate bucket. So that's one way to sort of diversify your holdings if you're taking distributions. But, you know, it's uh, at the end of the day, I, w- I would try to understand the annuity product as best you can, because, you know, most of those products come with 60, 70 page, uh, um, you know, uh, 
guides or whatever whatever you want to call them and uh they are very confusing and there's a lot going on there and if you don't understand it then it may not be the best option oh okay in in the in this market with the tariffs um and uh the volatility with uh, uh you know what a lot of hey alan i, I don't mean to cut you I don't mean to cut you off, but we're, we're actually coming up to the news break. You could stay on okay. the line or, or talk to our producer, Zach, and, and if um, you want to share your question or stay on the line, we'll uh, pick you up in a, just a few minutes after the news. So, again, you're, you're listening to Let's Talk Money here on 810 and 1031 WGY. And welcome back to Let's Talk Money here on 810 and 1031 WGY. I'm Ryan Boucher, and I'm your host today, uh, joining you on this rainy, cold, June, late June uh, Saturday. Unfortunately, we were talking about it earlier. Uh, we had such a nice uh, such a nice week, and uh, to finally get to the weekend and, and to have this weather is a little bit of a bummer, but uh, hopefully you, uh, you know, Appreciate you uh, joining us. And it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's a good day to stay inside and uh, listen to uh, the radio or, or do whatever you need to do to catch up on uh, what you have in, uh, around the house. So I know that's what we'll probably be doing the rest of the afternoon. So our phone lines are open. Give us a call. We have a lot to uh, to discuss in the second half of the show. 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 1-800-825-5949. We had Alan on the line before... The commercial break is he, he's not on any longer. Okay, but he, uh, you know, he brought up some questions with regard to retirement planning, and uh, he shared. I think he was seventy three. Um, he's got a, about a sixty forty portfolio, and uh, you know, someone was was um, coming up to him about uh, getting into an annuity product, and for a number of reasons, like I said, we we don't sell annuities, um, and and sometimes you know there could be straightforward products that that do work for individuals, but, you know, 
some of the problems with the annuity products are the fact that, you know, they can have high fees. Um, they tend to lock up your money. Everything that we do from an investment standpoint um, are totally liquid investments. And, uh, you know, they're they're not tied up for any period of time, whereas, you know, an annuity you may have a, a seven-year tie up before you can withdraw without any penalties. So those are some areas. And then, you know, that one, that word guarantee, it's, it's a little tricky because, um, as we've said, there's no such thing as a guaranteed. And, um, you know, if, if the company who issues that is to, uh, potentially go out of business, that, that money is not there any longer. So, um, just something to, uh, to keep in mind. And I always laugh at the, you know, the 60, 70 page brochures, um, or sales pitches that they have that, um, you know, if you have to read that many pages to explain a product, it's, uh, you know, it's it's a little tough to get through. So it looks like we have Alan back on the line. I know he had a question before we had to uh, jump to the commercial break. And I apologize for that, Alan. I uh, I got talking and didn't realize how close we were to the commercial. But um, do you want to finish your uh, your question from earlier, Alan? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, I was concerned with uh, the volatile environment right now uh, with the uh, tariffs uh, and whatnot going on and how that might affect the uh, the portfolio, uh, which we talked about it, that I was a 60-40 split. You mentioned something about doing something with certain distributions. I didn't quite understand that, but before you explain that, um, uh, how do you feel with this environment um, with someone like me who is basically subject uh, to the market on uh, how I can live uh, off my uh, distributions without going into principal? Right. Um, do you feel that, uh, you know, uh, it's possible for a 2007, 2008? Do you feel this is short term? Um, do you think there's something else that someone should do? Uh, to protect themselves yeah. uh, from the volatility on a sixty forty. Yeah, let me let me jump in a little. So you know, from uh, personally, I'm not a fan of what's going on with the trade wars right now, um, and and sort of getting into this tick for tat with uh, China on imports and. Um, you know, it started at 50 billion last week. This week, it's up to 200, potentially 400. And when you look at it, so we import about 500 billion dollars worth of goods from China. And um, listen, I, I understand that the global economy has has hurt sections of our country. Um, you know, maybe some manufacturing sectors and, and areas. And so, um, you know, keeping that in mind, but. You know, getting into a trade war just because we have a large trade deficit with China or any country for that matter, isn't mean we're it, it isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? I mean, we we live in this global economy now, and and we've been living in it, and you know, outsourcing things and part of a glo- global uh, you know economic environment going back till you know around after World War II, and and we've thrived in this environment. Now, when you look at um, the trade wars and the tariffs that we're going to put on some of the goods coming in from China, this is going to have, it's going to have a negative impact on, on our country. Not only, you know, the, the sectors, you know, I just saw that, um, you know, they're, they're uh, a steel manufacturer is, is building another plant and that's great. But when you look at the steel industry, you know, purely the, um, manufacturers of steel in our country versus, the companies that rely on steel and aluminum, it's about one-tenth of, of the, the people who work with it. So 
those people that are working with it now all of a sudden goods have goods have gone up so they're going to pay more they're going to do worse they're going to be worse off we're going to probably lose some jobs in in those areas i mean you've seen it just in the stock market this week with companies like caterpillar boeing anyone that relies on um you know the the import of steel and aluminum you know all of a sudden those price of those goods are going to start going up that's not going to help anyone and so you know i don't look at it as a good thing now when you look at it, whether it's the the goods that are coming into our country or the goods that we're exporting the goods we sell to china are you know maybe right around one percent of gdp so i don't think it's going to have a huge long-term and lasting effect, but it may ha- it's it's going to be a headwind, if you will, and so it it's definitely going to have the potential to cause volatility. I don't think this is going to put us in a recession, and and there's not a lot of recessionary factors that that we're seeing in the immediate future right now. So I'm less concerned about a a long-term bear market and or recession because of what's going on right now um, in Washington, but. It's it's definitely going to cause some short term volatility and and no matter if you're if you're saving for retirement or you're in retirement you always have to have that long term approach and in something like this you know outside of maybe a small few changes in your portfolio I'll give you an example we we started to overweight small caps earlier this year and because of the uh, you know the unknown with, with what was going on in in the global economic uh, markets and what was going on with some of these trade wars and tariffs smaller companies are going to be less uh, less impacted because you know most of their goods as a whole are being sold in the US versus the S&P 500 companies are selling close to 50% of their goods overseas so larger companies are going to have a, a have be more um, impacted by some of these trade wars. So, you know, maybe making small changes in your portfolio, but one, I wouldn't overreact. I wouldn't do too much. And you know, if you're a long-term investor and you're comfortable with the 60-40 allocation, I wouldn't make any major changes because we know that if you have a long-term time horizon, market fluctuations happen. I mean, I'm just looking at going back till 2009. So March of 2009 is when we bottomed out from the recession and the market's been up since then. We've had in that time five different corrections. Um, you know, some have dipped into bear markets. So a correction's a 10% decline, a bear market's a 20% decline. We've had volatility, even if you put your money to work at the start of the recession. So really the worst time you could have put it in, if you had it fully in the stock market, you still would have doubled your monies at that point and you would have returned 7% annualized um, going back to 2007. And that's if you put it at the peak of the market before the recession. So with anything, you have to have that long-term time horizon. For our retirees that are taking distributions, I'll quickly explain again, you know, we do break it out into buckets so that, um, you know, you have a better chance of withstanding some of the volatility if you were to see it um, by putting your, your you know, short-term cash flow needs into something very conservative. And so we we look at that with our clients and, and we sort of break it out into what buckets, you know, that short-term cash need bucket is one element of the portfolio. You know, the rest of it though is, you know, we want it to, you know, grow over time. If you're 73, we're going to be, you know, planning to have that money grow for you for 20 plus years. And so to have that happen, to get too conservative or to, you know, get worried about some of these volatile times and, and panic, that's the worst thing you can do. You have to have that long-term time horizon. And, and uh, you know, as long as you're comfortable with 
um, a 60-40 portfolio, I probably wouldn't make any any major changes because, like I said, we've seen volatility before. We're going to see it again. But if you have a long-term uh, horizon in, in your mind with your investments, you know, it, it that portfolio becomes less risky if you're if you're using it over a 10, 20 year period versus, you know, looking at it in three to six month increments, if that makes sense. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, uh, another uh, firm had mentioned to me that uh, they uh, even though the uh, it's inverse relationship uh, with interest going up and bonds go down, they still recommended some really, really good uh, uh, bonds uh, that would uh, have have a you know uh, maybe a ten month uh, maturity uh, and come come due every so often uh, might be better, and then also have a percentage in good guaranteed government um, uh, bond investments. Uh, do you agree with any of that? Yeah, I mean it's it's you know just because we're going into a rising interest rate environment, if you're if you're a sixty forty uh, investor and, and that's a risk tolerance that you're comfortable with you know we do know for the most part you know it's it's just simple math when you look at the bond market if if rates are rising the market value of those bonds are most likely going to drop and so in the short term yeah you know you look at your bonds you don't you don't want that part of your portfolio to be down and when you look at the so the the U.S. bond market index is the Barclays U.S. aggregate. And when you look at it, it's down about 2% for the year. And so we sort of could predict that at the start of the year, as long as rates were going up. But you also have to take the flip side. So two two parts to this. One, in the long run, as rates go up, as a, you know, a conservative investor and a bondholder, you know, that's going to become a good thing as rates get higher because now you're going to get more yield. It's not necessarily a bad thing from a long-term perspective. The other element is, you know, if you have that long-term time horizon in place, even though short-term that market value may go down a little bit, you know, if you hold those bonds to maturity, you're going to get par value back. So you know what you're going to get back at maturity, as well as the fact that, you know, if if the longer you hold them out, the less volatile you know, just like stocks, the less volatile a rising interest rate is going to be. So, you know, I, I don't think for just because we know bonds are most likely going to be down right now with the rising interest rate environment, you know, you don't want to get rid of your fixed income allocation because, you know, what if what if this trade war in, in China and potentially the EU with cars starts to heat up and, and it does cause a, uh, you know, correction or a bear market? You know, if, if stocks are down 20%, your bond's hopefully, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but probably won't be down as much. And and that's the purpose of having that fixed income portfolio is to sort of be that, um, you know, the other side of the equation from stocks to to, to be there in, in volatile times to withstand some of the volatility. So, um, yeah, you know, having we're we're big into right now, um, high quality, low, low duration, you know, the lower the duration of the bonds, the less they're going to be impacted by rising interest rate environment. And, uh, you know, some good bond managers right now, because, you know, like I said, we, we're really looking at our fixed income, we're underweight fixed income relative to our models. Um, with equities, we're a little overweight equities, but we want the fixed income side of the portfolio to be really steady and and not take undue risk there. We want it to be conservative. So if you're getting into, you know, um, U.S. government debt and uh, good corporate grade uh, um, bonds, then it's you know I I think that's that's a good approach for that side of the portfolio, especially in retirement. All right, thank you. Uh, 
you look at uh, portfolios uh, comparative to uh, what I'm doing now with the firm I'm with now uh, and make recommendations and leave it to me whether I want to stay where I am or yeah we'd, we'd or, be happy we'd be happy to have that discussion call our uh, our offices at 7203333 and uh, we have some pretty sophisticated software to uh, to analyze and compare portfolios we can do uh, do a lot of different things so we'd be happy to uh, to take a look at that and if uh, you know it's a good fit and, and maybe we could work together so yeah like I said give us a call 7203333 and ask for Angie and she'll be able to set you up with a uh, initial consultation all right thank you very much I appreciate it certainly Alan have a great day you too all right so good, good questions, and a lot of you know, good, good day to uh, talk about retirement planning, especially with, like I said, the articles in the Wall Street Journal today and yesterday talking about this. So um, I'll give out the phone lines again. We are at one eight hundred Talk WGY. That's one eight hundred eight two five five nine four nine. As we get into about the last ten minutes of the show, I'm going to go back to the phone lines. We have Paul and Broad, Broad Albin. Paul, how are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. <clears throat> I kind of caught the tail end of something. So maybe you did mention it and I just missed it, but, uh, they were, you were talking about the, uh, they were asking you about the percentage that you should use as a distribution for five. You know, you were explaining variables, Mm -hmm. but isn't, uh, I guess I always thought around four was kind of a good number that you should be able to main, you know, you should, wait until you can live on 4% because that becomes mandatory after you're 70, right? Or 70 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. Once you hit 70, uh, 70 and a half, the, uh, the first year distributions about, uh, three, almost 3.7% of your value of your IRA. So that's for your required minimum distribution. As you get older, that percentage gets a little bit higher. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, 4% is a good rule of thumb. I mean, we do, we do a lot of planning and, and like I said, we, um, you know, it, it can shift, but you know, we like to be in that four to 5% range. You know, most of the plans will, will work just fine at 5%, 4% is a little bit more conservative and, you know, depending on, on the client situation and, you know, um, you know, sometimes we see a little bit higher of a distribution rate early on, because like I said, you know, those, those early years in retirement, you know, just as much as a risk it is to uh, to spend too much of your money. You know, we want to make sure too that our clients aren't aren't spending too little and not enjoying what they've worked hard to to accumulate. So we work with them on on a lot of different scenarios, and and we always sort of use you know a four to five percent general rule of thumb is always sort of just a good um, you know starting point to to see what you've accumulated and and how much you can draw from the portfolio. And then you know you have to take into account. The tax situation, you know, that four to five percent is going to be, um, you know, different in your pocket if it's in a Roth IRA versus a regular IRA or a taxable account. Um, so knowing, you know, the full tax situation is also pretty critical as as you're looking at these factors. Um, that's another thing. If it is in a Roth, then you're not required to take that after seventy and a half, right? You can leave that. You're not, you know, that distribution percentage mandatory thing is just related to the traditional type. That's, that's right. That's right. Yep. The only, the required minimum distribution only comes into play with your traditional, uh, IRA does not come into play with the Roth IRA. And, and so often on these programs and, and different, uh, 
whatever you want to call them, advertisements or whatever, promotions or they they are always saying that you know, you're going to need uh, you know one million dollars or you know the, the numbers that they throw out eight hundred thousand or you know one million and a half or whatever. Um, when they do that, they're not really accounting for people who have a pension, right? I mean that's obviously yeah. that's a big factor. I yeah. mean if you're you know, if you're working off of just what your 401k or your IRAs, maybe that's a true statement. But if you're supplementing that with a pension or something, I mean, it's it's not nearly that much to be secure, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, it changes the equation dramatically. And that's the thing with any of these. You know, you really got to dig into, you know, your unique situation and see um, what the different uh, income streams are and, and what you have coming in versus what you've accumulated from your investments. And yeah, there's there's a lot that, that we take into account and look at. And uh, yeah, it's, and like I said too, it's, you know, they can say sort of what the, you know, you need a million dollars to retire. But again, it, it comes down to the, uh, the lifestyle that you want to live and uh, your cash flow needs. You know, it doesn't, as I said earlier, it doesn't always matter how much income you make or, or what, you know, what your paycheck is. It's, it's how, how do you spend that and, and what are your saving habits? And so everyone's going to be a little bit different in, in terms of what they need to retire and what they can live in, in what's comfortable to them. And like I said, that's going to be unique for each situation. Yeah, and I guess I always thought, you know, they talk about, like you also mentioned things like, you know, 80%, you think you need 80% or whatever. But I guess I always figured that, you know, you plan on retirement to have your house paid, you have a mortgage, and that probably is 15 or 20% of your pay anyway. Yeah, right that, that can be a big thing as well. You know, the one thing that we see sometimes too, which is, again, where, where I always sort of laugh at the... Um, you know, the, the percentage of your, your income, because, you know, all of a sudden now you're going from a situation where you are, you know, maybe you're working eight, 10 hours a day. Uh, you know, you're working a lot, yeah, five, six days a week, and, uh, you don't have a ton of free time on your hand. All of a sudden you get into retirement, you get a lot of free time on your hand. And, and, you know, what we see a lot of times is that, um, the retirement spending is, is a little bit more than, than what was first expected. Um, because again, you have this time on your hands, you know, early on, especially maybe you want to do some traveling and, and see different parts of the country or the world. And so, um, we see some of these things, uh, creep up. And like I said, you, you may end up actually spending a little bit more in those first few years and one you're expecting and even more than, than you're currently spending as you're working. Because like I said, that having that extra time that you, you know, it's it's easy to uh, you know do different things and uh, travel and whatever it may be. So yeah, we we see that a lot. So I never like to uh, sort of just throw out a, a percentage of of what you need or or a number of what individuals need in retirement because like I said, it it's different for everyone and and it can change based on different circumstances as well. Well, one other thing, um, I didn't call for this, but you were you were discussing it and it just brings it back to my my memory, but. When, uh, you know, you were talking about the, tra- the tariffs and, you know, fr- free trade and all that, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, where I get hung up on is that, hey, if China is, is charging us 25% or whatever it is, tariff on vehicles, and we're charging them 5 if we raise that to 25 how can they get angry? I mean, that's what you're doing. I mean, yeah, you no- know, I mean, and then they talk about free trade, I mean... You know, I'm oversimplifying because I don't understand it all. But why have 
why does anybody have tariffs? If you want free trade, well, then you don't have tariffs, it seems to me. I mean, I don't know if that's a simple view, but yeah, you know, no. it's not free trade if somebody's charging you a tariff and yet you don't charge them. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think the biggest the biggest issue I have with, with the relationship with China right now is the fact that, you know, they are doing things to steal our intellectual property. And so, you know, I, I do think we have to to do something to combat that. And, and it, it hurts a lot of our uh, technology companies um, over there. But, you know, when you look at the different trade agreements, I just, you know, I do think we hit because we export less than than we import you know we, it gives us a little bit of leverage in in the trade war discussions um but like i said at the end of the day sort of to what you had said um you know uh, having a, a free trade agreements you know we why why do we want to go through this tariff you know it, it's not going to i think the impact is going to be more hurtful than than what it does you know it may help really small segments of our economy in our country. But I think as a whole, if we see goods become more expensive and and we're seeing that and we're also seeing the stock market negatively affected by it, you know, as of right now, I don't think it's a great thing. And, and I, you know, I, I, uh, you know, agree with some of the stuff that that our administration has done so far since since Trump's been in office. But um, this is one of those things where, you know, I'm more of a free markets uh, person anyway. So when when I start seeing all the tariffs and, and how it can impact, um, not a huge fan so far. So hopefully they can sort of resolve it and it doesn't become a, uh, you know, a, a major sticking point. But we'll see. OK, thank you very much. All right. We appreciate the appreciate the call. So had a lot of good calls today and uh I'm actually getting close to the last couple of minutes of the show today. Um, but, you know, a lot that I wasn't able to get into, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw the news, but GE is uh, will no longer be in the Dow um, composite any longer uh, starting next week. Um, they're being replaced by Walgreens. So sort of another black eye on, on GE. And, uh, you know, at this point, hopefully they can, uh, with the new CEO, John Flannery, uh, start to, to turn it around at some point. But, yeah, for those, uh, you know, those local folks who have worked or have a tie to GE, um, you know, they were one of the original companies going back to 1907. And so um, to see them uh, no longer be in the Dow going into next week is uh, is going to be a little interesting. And like I said, not a uh, not a not a, uh, you know, great vote of confidence for for GE. But, you know, it doesn't really affect their their share price either way. It doesn't won't change anything about the company. So. I appreciate everyone who uh, tur- tuned in today. We're getting up to the end of the show. So, um, you know, g- great retirement questions. And like I said, that's, we do so much retirement planning that it's a huge element. So, again, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next Saturday. This was Let's Talk Money on 810-1031-WGY. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.